Indeed. Stay standing, stay standing for a moment here. As you stand with me, let me ask first, I don't know, well, let, let me ask, let me declare better yet, whatever y'all did to end up with the best pastors on the planet. Come on, help me honor Bishop Heard, the first lady. Your pastor has... Nothing less from me than my admiration, my respect. I honor you, sir. You're a general in the kingdom. You've led the way. And this is just reflective of the kingdom of heaven. The fact that everyone comes together to lift up the name of Jesus. Thank you. I won't be like you when I grow up. How about that? Thank you for your exemplary leadership. One more time, give it up for Bishop, please. All right, before you're seated, I just have one great question for you, and be honest, you know, full disclosure, it's Sunday morning, and it behooves you to say the truth, nothing but the truth, so help you, God. Have you ever missed your turn in life, at least once turn? Metaphorically speaking, can you look back in time and say, I missed at least one, there was a turn, and I missed it at least once, raise your hand. If someone here missed a couple turns, raise both hands. <laughs> if you've missed so many turns, that if I get my iPhone right now and say Siri and mention your name, Siri will automatically respond, rerouting. <laughs> well, here's, here it is. Here's the reason why I took a red-eye flight from Sacramento, California. We just got here a couple hours ago, a few hours ago. We arrived like at 6.45 in the morning. Uh, and so I haven't slept. And we traveled from Sacramento to Inspire Church to tell you that after today, in the name of Jesus you will never miss your turn again. I don't know if you know what that means. I need you to get ready. I need your family to get ready. You're calling to get ready. As for you and your house, you are next. Somebody shout, I am next. You are next. You're not going to miss your turn again. You may be seated. Let me show you. Let me biblically substantiate that declaration. John chapter 5. Here it is, John chapter. There's a fine line between the prophetic and the pathetic. And I've been in the presence of both. This is a prophetic impartation for you. That's why you're here. John chapter 5. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the sheep gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porch, waiting for a certain movement of the water. For an angel of the Lord would come from time to time and stir up the water. The first person to step in would receive their healing. George, where are you? Jorge? That's George, my travel assistant. He's amazing. You're going to help me illustrate this. So you're a paralyzed man. Go ahead, do your thing. 38 years paralyzed, next to the water. And take a nap there if you want. You took the red-eye flight likewise. If you're a union guy, every 15 minutes... That's pretty dramatic there, George. <laughs> Take a break if you're a union guy every 15 minutes. Here we go. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? Watch this. The man says, I can't, sir, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else gets there ahead of me. I always miss my turn. I always miss my turn. I always miss my turn. Because I'm dependent on someone else. When you depend on others more than you depend on God, 
Paralysis will define you. When you depend on others for your faith, for your breakthrough, for your joy, if you're waiting for someone else to make you happy, to make you joyful, to make you holy, to make you right, you're always going to be paralyzed. But the moment you depend on God, more than you depend on others, paralysis will come to an end. That's just a little anecdotal. I can't, sir. Someone always gets it. Jesus told them, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. Now, but is a conjunction, the quintessential grammatical disruptor. In my generation, when I hear the word conjunction, automatically I say, Conjunction, junction, what's your function? Everyone under 30 just went, what just happened? So I want to speak to you briefly today on the subject matter, but it happened on the Sabbath. When God makes it happen when it's not supposed to happen, the subtext is you are next. I want you to respectfully, with great due deference, touch the neighbor you like the most and tell that neighbor you are next. Touch your other neighbor, the one you barely tolerate. Tell that neighbor, reluctantly tell him, you're next too. You are next. But on the Sabbath, beware of paralysis. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porch, waiting for a certain movement of the water. He's right next to his breakthrough. He saw other people experience their breakthrough. He saw it. He saw other people receive their miracle. Yet he would always miss his turn because he was dependent on others. He was paralyzed. Paralysis. Paralysis. To be paralyzed is to lack mobility and action. To be in a perpetual state of stagnation. And here's the revelation, a truth. Every single person here in this auditorium, we have all been paralyzed. Even if for a moment you received a text message that paralyzed you, a a DM that paralyzed you, a call that paralyzed you, you saw something or experienced something, even if it was temporal for a moment that paralyzed you. If you've been paralyzed for at least one second in your life, raise your hands. We've all been paralyzed, each and every one of us. Paralyzed, what do you mean paralyzed? Paralyzed integrity. Paralyzed faith, paralyzed dreams, paralyzed destiny. Some of you have paralyzed family members. Some of the people you love around you right now are paralyzed. Paralyzed ministries, paralyzed anointing. Your, I could, your anointing could be par- biblically proven. Your anointing could be paralyzed. Your joy can be paralyzed. Your peace can be paralyzed. Your future, your worship, your praise can be paralyzed. Paralyzed by what? Paralyzed by sin. Sin paralyzes. Paralyzed by failure, by fear, the past, shame, religious condemnation, self-pity, a victimization mentality, erroneous thoughts, abuse, broken relationships, unforgiveness and unbelief. Paralyzed by the constant need to be validated and affirmed. Like, 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 like,
Are you with me right now? Paralyzed, paralyzed by fear, fear of windows of what we see in the outside world, fear of mirrors of what we see within ourselves, paralyzed by nomenclatures and descriptors defining us. We're permitting others to define who we are, paralyzed by hype, hyperbole. Hyperbole is a fancy word for exaggeration, which is a fancy word for lying. Hypersensitivity. Everyone's easily offended. I am offended by people that are easily offended. <laughs> Hyper tolerance. We have to tolerate everything that everyone says. If someone wakes up tomorrow morning and declares that they are a dog, you and I are now obligated to believe, to accept, and to celebrate the fact that bow wow wow yippee yay yippee yay. Bow wow, yippee yay, yippee yay. And if we don't accept that we're bigots and we're discriminating, hyper, hyper intolerance towards our Judeo Christian value system and hyper victimization. Everyone happens to be a victim. I'm a victim, you're a victim, we're all victims. Hashtag victim. Ladies and gentlemen, I, we've all been through things, we've all been temporal victims, but it is impossible for you to be a Christ follower and to be a lifelong victim because the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 37, we are more than conquerors through Christ our Lord. Paralyzed by these opinions, by definitions. I want you to hear me. These definitions paralyze us. There are people right now in America and around the world that are paralyzed by false descriptors and nomenclatures, by false definitions, because they don't know who they are. If you don't know who you are, you will be paralyzed. If you have no idea who you are in Christ and who Jesus is in you, you will be paralyzed. What does that mean? And let me remind you, and I don't care if the devil gets a migraine, I'm here to remind you, you are not defined by what surrounds you. You are defined by God's spirit inside of you. You are not defined by your circumstance. You are defined by his covenant. You are not defined by the hell you're going through. You're defined by the heaven you're going to. You are not defined by your failures. You're defined by his forgiveness. Are you with me right now? To all the religious folk, you're not even defined by what you do for God. You're defined by what God already did for you. You're defined by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're defined by Galatians 2.20. My own self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. Right now in America. Oh, oh Lord, help me. Padre, en nombre de Jesús, ayúdame, en nombre de Jesús. This nation is paralyzed. We're paralyzed. Even the church, segments of the church stand paralyzed because we're, we're paralyzed by culture, society, and even politics. I have seen politics divide the church now like I've never seen the church divided before. I'm tired of that. I'm tired of the church permitting a donkey or an elephant to divide what the lamb died on the cross for. I may never get invited again, but I've reached the age where I don't really care anymore. I'm here to tell you, we have to stop worshiping donkeys and worshiping elephants. The only one we need to follow is the lamb that died on the cross and the lion of the tribe of Judah that resurrected on the third day. Are there any lamb followers in the house? Woo! 
Even as a church, yo boy, even as a church, even as a church, even as a church, there's an attempt, there's an attempt to paralyze the church in America. I know this firsthand is not rhetorical hyperbole from the womb of emotional exuberance. I'm in the midst of conversations regarding religious liberty. There are legislative initiatives right now across America with an attempt to paralyze the church. The devil would like to keep the church as a perpetual echo chamber of mutual affirmation, a kumbaya society that gathers on Sunday mornings where we clap, we get a little bit of shake the quake and the bake but we're not allowed to impact society monday through saturday that the enemy would like us to gather on sundays as long as we don't open up our mouths monday through saturday as long as we don't preach truth monday through saturday i'm here to i'm i'm here to tell you i'm here to tell you if you think the church is going to be silent. You're about to see the church raise her volume like the church has never raised her volume before. I'm prophesying now. If you're worried about your children or your children's children, do not worry ever again. You're about to see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon this nation like this nation has never experienced before. You're about to see a Jesus movement and a brand new awakening. You're about to see a move of God that will make a Sousa look like an opening act. Are you with me right now? So we better know who we are as a church. I want to expedite the process. As a church, we better know who we are. So who are we as a church? Who are we? Are we just another institution in society? Are we another religious faith narrative competing in the marketplace of ideas? Are we a feel-good machinery for the spiritually impaired? Are we an antiquated set of irrelevant values no longer applicable in the world of Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and YouTube? How we respond will determine whether or not in our generation this paralysis will be pushed back and light will once again overcome darkness. So who are we? Man, it's time for us to man up, woman up, whatever the correct political term may be. It's time for us to... Oh my, because, because I'm just tired of just paralysis. and We need... And, which means, are there any questions? I mean, it's just... Who are we? We better respond clearly. We better look at CNN, Fox, MSNBC, ABC, NBC, CBS, Univision, Telemundo. And we better look at them and say, let me tell you who we are. We are the light of the world. We are the city on a hill. We are people of the word. We are salt and light. We are disciples, witnesses, and Christ followers. We are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. We are children of the cross, fruit of the empty tomb, and product of the upper room. We are the redeemer of the Lord, the sheep of his pasture. We are forgiven, free in favor. We are called and chosen. We are warriors and worshipers. We are the righteousness of God. We are world changers and history makers. Let me tell you what we are not. We are not Google. We are not Starbucks. We are not Microsoft. We are not Ford. We are not the NFL. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And the gates of hell shall not, will not, may not, no way, no how prevail against us. If you are the church, shout like you are the church and praise. But on the Sabbath, beware of paralysis. 
But on the Sabbath, God confronts your present, speaks into your future, while demanding that you let go of your past. Oh, man, here it comes. Here it is. Jesus sees the man. The man is paralyzed for 38 years. He's right next to his breakthrough. He always misses his turn. Jesus comes along and says, I got this. Do you want to get well? Do you want me to heal you? If I would ask you right now, do you want a grande caramel macchiato with almond milk from Starbucks? There's only one of two feasible responses. Do you want the caramel macchiato? Your answers are either what? Or? So Jesus expected the same thing. Do you want to get well? Do you want me to heal you? One of two answers should have come out of this man's mouth. Yes or? That's not what happened. Do you want me to heal you? Yes or no? The man answers, I can't. I can't was not an option. You're giving me an essay response to a true and false question. I, hey, let me speak to you parenthetically. Hey, sunshine, I never asked you if you could. I never asked, obviously, if you could, you wouldn't be there in the first place. The problem is not only is your body paralyzed, your soul, your spirit, your destiny, your dream, your purpose, everything is paralyzed. And you're paralyzed by narcissism. It's all about you. You're focusing on yourself. You think it's about you. Hey, it's not about your ability. It's about my anointing. It's not about your potential. It's about my power. It's not about your gift. It's about my grace. So then Jesus looks at him and Jesus, he, he could have easily have done this. Jesus on other occasions went to cities and villages where there was unbelief and he walked away. Dropped the mic and like Jay-Z and walked away. But on this occasion, Jesus stuck around. The man said, I can't. Jesus could have walked away, but he didn't. Jesus looked at him and said, stand up. Look up here for a second. I want you to do your biblical due diligence. Do your Greek and Aramaic exegetical extrapolation of the biblical passage. Go deep into it. Feel free to do your Google, Wikipedia, whatever you want to do. When you find this phraseology embedded in John chapter 5, you will discover that Jesus did not say this. If you're inclined, do you mind standing up? If you find it within yourself, can you stand up? Can you create some space for the possibility? I have people right now taking selfies. Don't make me look bad. <laughs> can you just, can you stand up? Please, pretty, there was never a pretty please. It wasn't a recommendation. It wasn't a supposition or a proposition. Jesus didn't ask him to stand up. Jesus commanded him to stand up. Stop for a second. He just said, I can't. Who did Jesus speak to if he just said, I can't? In other words, let me give it to you layman's term. He, the drama spoke, I can't. Jesus said, I'm going to go beyond your drama and speak into your destiny. You said, I can't. I'm, I'm not even going to speak to you. I'm going to speak to my purpose inside of you. I'm going to speak to my dream for you. I'm going to speak to my will for you. Some of you here are waiting for God to fix your drama. And God says, I'm not going to address your drama. I'm going to activate your destiny. 
You want me to address your problem? I'm going to speak to my promise inside of you. And the promise is going to skip over the problem. Are you with me right now? So Jesus, Jesus, Jesus told them to do what? To do what? Jesus told them to. He ordered him. His body had no choice. The demand. Because it wasn't a recommendation, it's a command. Why am I telling you this right now? What time is it? It's a good point, but there's a reason for that, but it's a good point. What is it? 10 after 12? 12, 10? 12, 10? 12, 12? 12, 12. Is that an Apple phone or an Android? Oh, yeah, it doesn't matter anymore. All right, 12, 12, the reason why I'm asking your time is because I've come from Sacramento full of the Holy Spirit, fearing God, not driven by my emotion, but driven by the Word of God, 12-12, to tell you this. 12-12 p.m. this Sunday, this will be the last day you will ever see paralysis in your life for the rest of your life. Oh, I'm not kidding. Your faith will never be paralyzed again. Your family will not be paralyzed again. Your future will not be paralyzed again. Your destiny will not be paralyzed again. Your praise will not be paralyzed again. This is the day paralysis ends once and for all. If you believe it, shout like you believe it. Praise like you believe it. Worship like you believe it. Celebrate like you believe it. If you believe it, raise your hands. Watch this, watch this. George, I want to illustrate this, but it's prophetic. It's not an illustrated sermon, it's a prophetic impartation. When I count to three, I want you to stand up. I want you to hear me. When you stand up, every vestige of paralysis will come to an end right here, right now. Every single person in this auditorium, not only them, but their children and their children's children. Paralysis comes to an end right here, right now. Every family that is paralyzed, that ends today. Every faith that is paralyzed, that ends today. Every future, every financial circumstance, every health that is paralyzed, ends today. We are about to stand up. Every vestige. You've been... Are you ready? Every vestige, which means you are next. The moment paralysis ends, Jesus makes just like Jesus made him next. I don't care how many turns you've missed in your past. You are next. How about if I tell you, you are next to see your entire family saved. You are next for the harvest, next for the breakthrough, next for the overflow. You are next to see the glory of God in you, with you, and through you like never before. You are next to break in. I'm prophesying to someone. You are about, you are next to break in and occupy every area hell has fought to keep you out of. You are next. How many believe you're next? The moment you stand up, paralysis will come to an end. By the time you get home, whatever was paralyzed will be moving. You think this is, this is not an illustrated sermon. This is the word of the Lord for you, biblically substantiated, spirit-driven. I know this firsthand. I was there. I was there. I was on the mat. I was the guy on the mat. I was the guy on the mat. Some years ago, I just, some years ago, I found myself on the mat. There was, 
I can't, the full minutia of the detail takes too long. I, but it, I will give you the nutshell. I was on the mat because there was this thing happening in Hollywood. That there was a television program, Secular, on a major network you would recognize, along with a cover on a magazine whose name you recognize, Secular. It would have been a game changer for platform and influence to exalt Christ. The, the problem was they were secular. They got to me. They interviewed my family. Everything was said. They promised everything was ready to go. Everything. All of a sudden, there was an insistence that I would stop mentioning Jesus. So they looked at me, and I'm speaking now, in essence, and this is the nuanced way of them putting it. And Pastor Sam, you're too obsessed with Jesus. Wherever you go, you talk about Jesus. You're a Jesus freak. And we appreciate the fact that you have faith, but you have to stop that. Because these doors cannot open up if you continue to be obsessed with Jesus. So we need you to do a couple of things. One, stop saying Jesus. Stop saying Jesus. Stop talking about Jesus. Do it on church Sunday, but don't do it when you're on interviews. And for the things that we're doing with you, don't do Jesus. Just don't do Jesus. Just keep it for Sunday. And then the second thing is you're going to have to, some of the values that you propose, and and you need to put them aside and and become a little bit. So, but I refuse to because I I was born for this. I was, God put me on this planet for this. So all of a sudden, but it, it hit me so hard. That, that in the last minute they pull the contract out the doors close they put a magazine cover they actually put somebody I recommended part of the story to be on the magazine it was a crazy deal it was an attempt to humiliate I found myself there paralyzed by what others did to me and I went like I can't believe this is happening all of a sudden God looked at me and I was there I saw other people go in and get their breakthrough and then Jesus came and said what you doing sunshine and I said I can't he said you can't he said boy don't te estoy preguntando yo te estoy ordenando que te levantes en mi nombre he said boy he said son I'm not asking you I said Lord but look what they did he, he said I, I, didn't, I didn't make you to be a victim but look what they did no, I'm not asking you to be a, uh-uh. and he said I'm not asking you son I'm telling you stand up the moment I stood up the moment I stood up and declared the name of Jesus in front of a billion people, every door opened up, Hollywood opened up. I went from a television program to major motion pictures with 20th Century Fox, all because I stood up. Why am I telling you this? Today is the day that you and your family are about to stand up. your dream unfulfilled the, are you ready when you stand up every bit of paralysis will come to an end right here right now it is 12 18 every bit of paralysis one two this is the number one thing that paralyzes us this the local la cabeza thinking process this take every thought into captivity renew your mind daily some of you recently the enemy has been attacking your family the only reason the devil's been attacking your family he's after the multi-generational blessing listen it's not instead of preaching on multi-generational curses I want to talk to you about multi-generational blessings what does that mean if you stand up today your children will not inherit your sins your children will inherit your blessings one 
until I don't know if you know what this means Ezekiel chapter 2 verse 1 says stand up and I will speak to you Acts chapter 2 verse 14 and Peter stood up and God spoke through him are you ready one never again will you be paralyzed two you you are next you're about to see what you've never seen before you're about to conquer what you could not conquer before you're about to occupy what you could not occupy before this is it you're not who you used to be one two three stand up standing stand up stand up stand up lift up your hands and God does not want to renovate your past he wants to release your future what God's about to do next in your life will break the rules of expectation the norms of conformity and bypass the usual I say a 4319 I'm about to do something new you are next for the overflow you are next to embrace to get the grace to open the gift and see the glory you are next you're next your family will never be paralyzed again raise your hand your faith will never be paralyzed again your future will never be paralyzed again your favor will never be paralyzed again your faithfulness will never be paralyzed again never again never again yeah. never again stand up and be holy stand up and be one stand up and be light stand up and be filled 1 Peter 1.16, John 17.21, Matthew 5.14, Ephesians 5.18. Stand up, stand up, stand up. Look up here for a second. Paralysis comes to an end. I've lived it. I have seen paralysis come to an end. And every. T- and by the way, you can say, man, that guy's really hopped up. He's really excited. I'm, I, I think like Spock and I preach like Kirk, which means what? All the Trekkie, knows, Trekkie fans, you know what I'm talking about. I want you to hear me. The reason why I am vociferous and passionate about this, I discovered that the size of my praise, the size of your praise, is directly proportional to the magnitude of the hell that God took you out of. I'm going to say that one more time for the hearing impaired. The reason why some of us get excited the way we get excited and praise the way we praise, you better stop saying it's a black thing or a Latino thing or a southern white thing. It has nothing to do with ethnocultural contextualization. It has nothing to do whether you're GED or PhD, whether you're Barrio or Beverly Hills. The size of your praise is directly proportional to the magnitude of the hell that God took you out of. What does that mean? If God took you out of a little hell, then you give him a little praise. But if he saved you, if he delivered you, if he healed you, if he turned you around and placed your feet on solid ground, then you give God your highest! Hey! Stand up! We're done. As you stand with me, as you stand with me, as you stand with me, let me finish here. 
Jesus could have walked away and said, I told you you were going to stand up, even though you said, I can't. I got this. But he didn't. He looked at him and said, now that you're standing, I'm not done with you yet. Pick up your mat. Jesus told him, pick up his mat. If he would have left his mat behind, there would have been a sense of expectation that one day possibly he could go back to that place. Oh, you missed it. You have to pick up your mat. When you pick up your mat, you tell both heaven and hell, your haters and your friends, but more importantly, you tell yourself, I don't live there anymore. Raise your right hand. Repeat after me, I don't live there anymore. You gotta say it like you believe it. Say, I don't live there anymore. I don't live in sin anymore. I don't live in failure anymore. I don't live in defeat anymore. I don't live in depression anymore. I don't live in anxiety anymore. I don't live in fear anymore. I don't live in confusion anymore. I don't live in chaos anymore. I don't live in the past anymore. I don't live there anymore. Pick up your mat. Pick up your mat. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. The old things are passed away. Everything is made new. Pick up your mat. Pick up your mat. Pick up your mat. Wait. Pick up your mat. You're not who you used to be. Listen to me. You're not who you used to be. You're not who you used to be. And you're not where you used to be. And you're not how you used to be. We're done. We're done. We're done. We're done. Then he looks at him and says, but on the Sabbath, beware of paralysis. But on the Sabbath, God will confront your present. Mm. Taking care of your past while simultaneously unleashing your future. On the Sabbath, God tells you to stand up, to pick up your mat. And then he looks at him and says, now that you have the mat. Oh, oh by the way, look up here. When you, see, when, you're walking, when you see other people laying on their mats, don't act all bougie like you've never been through anything. Don't act all sophisticated like you've never been through anything and walk away like they're not good for you. When you see other people on their mats, you need to get close to them, look at them, carry your mat and say, hey, listen to me. I know you're not going to believe this right now. Matter of fact, stand up in the name of Jesus. Pick up your mat and start walking. We're done. So he tells them, start walking. Why is this important? This is prophetic for someone here. My wife has an anointing for shopping. My Wells Fargo account bears witness that my wife has an anointing and a gift for shopping. She shops at the Roseville Galleria in Northern California in the outskirts of Sacramento in a place called Roseville. When I drop off my wife, I see her. She never touches a doorknob in the mall because the malls have sensors. So watch this. As a good husband, I park, I park, I drop her off, park the car. That's the door. I'm walking. I get off my car. I walk at this speed. The doors are closed. Samuel Rodriguez does not wait for the doors to open for me to start walking. You missed it. I'm walking at a good pace. I'm, I leave the parking lot. I step on the sidewalk. I don't slow down because I know that I know that there's a sensor. That when that sensor reads my presence, the doors will have no choice but to open up in my favor. I'm preaching to at least three people right now. 
What is God telling you? Start walking. Walk by faith and not by sight. Start walking. Walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. Start walking because the doors are about to open up in your favor. Walk by 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Galatians 5, 16. Just walk, walk, walk. The doors are about to open up. Lift up your hands. Lift up your hands. In the name of Jesus, the doors that have been closed to you, the doors that you've been praying for and fighting for and fasting for, those doors are about to open up in your favor in Jesus' name. You're not waiting for a suddenly. There's a suddenly waiting for you. Stand up, pick up your man and start walking. Things are about to open up in your favor and for your family, for your children and your children's children. Start walking. Walk towards me. He walked, he encounters a religious class person. And the Pharisee looks at him and says, who gives you the right to carry that mat on the Sabbath? Because that's what some religious people do. Instead of saying, dude, you're walking. They focus on what he was carrying. Because religious people get upset when God uses those they deem unqualified. So, so he says, who gives you the right? Here comes the response. Read it. Epic response. What a comeback. He says, you're asking me who gives me the right to carry what I'm carrying? The one who healed me gives me the right to carry what I'm carrying. Hey, Inspire, when they ask you, who gives you the right to believe what you believe about the power of Jesus? Who gives you the right to cover your family under the blood of the Lamb? Who gives you the right to tell everyone that Jesus is the only way? Who gives you the right to praise the way you praise and believe what you believe? Open up your mouth and say, the one who saved me, the one who delivered me, the one who healed me, Jesus gives me the right. We're done. Stand, lift up your hands, lift up your hands. But it happened on the Sabbath. It all happened when it wasn't supposed to happen. God will make it happen when your past says it's not supposed to happen. God will make it happen when your flesh says it's not supposed to happen. God will make it happen when every devil in hell says it's not supposed to happen. God will make it happen when your critics and your haters say it's not supposed to happen. And God is so powerful. Watch this. God will make it happen even when you, when you believe it's not supposed to happen. Can you just raise your hands a little bit? I sense God. I'm here to tell you God's going to make it happen when it's not supposed to happen. I sense the power of God in this place. Right now in this place, Holy Spirit, you told me to tell this amazing church that they are next. That every family here, every person here is next. For every single person here who has missed their turn, you are next. You are next for the healing. You are next for the harvest. You are next for the breakthrough. You are next for the overflow. You are next for the alignment regarding the assignment. 
You are next to see your family saved. You are next for deliverance. You are next for open doors. You are next. If you believe that you are next and the paralysis just came to an end and when you get home, whatever was paralyzed will be moving for the glory of Christ. Give God the best shout of praise you've given Him in 2009.